Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Thursday. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you along for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you the kind of person where you can read a book, or maybe, you know, when you were in school, you could study for a test or do your homework while you had the television on in the background? Or maybe it's not the television, maybe it's just having music playing while you're reading and writing and doing whatever it is. It seems like everyone I know, everyone around me can multitask that way. My entire family, they can listen to music playing, they can have the television on while at the same time being absorbed in something else. My kids, they can study, and I mean pretty decent quality studying for a test at school, or they can write a paper for a class. And that background noise, it doesn't seem to phase them at all. My wife is the same way. And I'm glad they got this from her, you know, because if she's reading a book, if she's reading some article out of a magazine, she can have music playing in the background or there can be something on a television. It doesn't impact her comprehension or even her reading speed. Not at all. Me, on the other hand, if there's something playing on the television, I can rarely focus on anything else. My eyes keep getting drawn to the moving images on the screen. Even if I'm having a conversation with another person and there's a TV and it's on mute, my eyes just keep going back to it. And you might think that television would be the worst distraction, but for me, it's actually having music playing. That is far more distracting than something on TV. And I think it's because I've played music for most of my life. I started playing the piano when I was five years old. I picked up the guitar when I was 15. I've played other instruments here or there. I even studied music theory in college. That was my major. So when I hear a song playing, I'm enjoying the song as a whole, but that's not all that's happening. Many times I'm listening to a number of the technical aspects of the instrument that's being played or the production quality of the recording, or I'm hearing the chord changes or the key changes, maybe a time change, uh, the time signature, uh, or, or other things that are employed to make the song what it is, make it catchy, give it its hook. So it's almost impossible for me to have music playing in the same room while I'm trying to read a book. I'll find myself reading the same sentence or the same paragraph over and over and over. And even after reading five, six, seven times, whatever it is, still not fully absorbing what I've read through. You know, yeah, I've got some of it, but not the same as if it's a quiet room. Is there something like that for you? Something that can be that distraction? Something that kind of derails your progress when you're trying to really focus on another thing? 
most of the uh, most of the time we look at distractions as being problematic. We try and avoid or eliminate distractions. However, there are times where we might welcome those distractions into our lives. If there's something important that we need to do, but it seems overwhelming or it seems daunting, it's easy to invite that distraction in. And we can tell ourselves, well, we'll get around to it, whatever it is. I, I know I need to do that thing, but not quite just yet. I'll get around to it. How often have you told yourself that? I'll get around to it. We might also call these distractions diversions. They divert us away from what we really should be doing. And when we get diverted away from important or good things that we should be doing, well, this, of course, can be a serious problem. We can start to use that distraction or that diversion as an escape from our responsibilities. And have you noticed the more you put something off, the harder it becomes to get around to it. I'll get around to it. But it becomes harder and harder the more you put it off. That's where we enter into the realm of sin that's called sloth. Sloth, it can hit us physically and emotionally. It can manifest in ways like laziness or even boredom. But it can also enter into our spiritual lives, something called acedia. Now, you might not be spending your day only watching television for nine or ten hours each day or, or napping the day away. You can be a very productive person, and yet this deadly sin of sloth, it can still be impacting you. You might not even be aware that you have certain areas of your life where that sin of sloth has a hold on you. Well, today on The Inner Life, we want to take this hour to understand, first, that sin of sloth, understand it, how we can identify it in ourselves, and more importantly, we want to talk about the virtues that can help us overcome it and avoid it. And joining us as our spiritual director today, Father Jim Goins is back with us once again. Father Jim is a priest in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, and he is the pastor of St. Eugene's Parish there in Oklahoma City. Father Jim, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. It's great to be with you again. Well, so sloth is one of those traditional seven deadly sins— and maybe we can start there. Um, you know, I, I think we hear about those seven deadly sins, but why do we have that category of cardinal sins or deadly sins that have been given to us, kind of traditionally listed for us in the tradition of the Church? It's part of our understanding of sin as both venial, sin can be venial, which is damaging to the soul, but not soul-killing, versus mortal sin, which is soul-killing. A mortal sin, uh, it ruptures the relationship between the soul and God. Venial sin weakens it. I always tell people, think of it as termite damage in your house versus your house burns down. So capital sins, these mortal sins, uh, they burn your soul down, and sloth is one of those. Uh, The other aspect that I understand about the seven deadly sins, because these capital sins are so serious, 
they can lead us into other sins. They're kind of the gateway into other sins in our life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're almost, if you will, the the dark mirror image of the virtues. So when there is a virtue missing in our life, it invites the the emergence of one of these uh, capital uh, deadly sins. Well, so let's talk about the sin that, that we're addressing today on the show. Can you help us understand what sloth really is, some of the different layers or the components that are involved in this sin? Because I, I think a lot of times we can just say, well, slothfulness, that's just being lazy, right? But, but sloth encompasses much more than mere laziness. I think it's, it's best to think of sloth as an entanglement of, of different things, laziness being one of them. Thomas Aquinas referred to it as sluggishness of the mind. So mental sluggishness, laziness, the lack of joy, an almost, you know, maddening incapacity to find joy in anything in one's life. So it's more than mere laziness. It's always a sin of omission because it, it's what we are not doing. We are not finding joy in serving our God in, in the present moment. Instead, we, we are distracted. As you talked earlier, we're distracted by so many things that do not matter, that have no meaning. It's almost as if we are content to remain in meaninglessness rather than to exert the effort to find meaning and holiness. Well, and as you're saying that too, you know, you you said where we're lacking in one of the virtues, one of these sins can fill up. And you're talking about sloth being a sin of omission. If we're omitting things we should be doing, it gets filled up typically with other things that aren't good for us. Exactly. Exactly. I, I often notice in confession, if a penitent is confessing sloth in their prayer life, for example, or if I notice in my own priestly life, uh, slothfulness in prayer, I know that I need to pray for an increase in piety. I need that spirit of piety, which is the love of right worship. So if we fill our life with piety, which is misunderstood, but piety, for example, is one of those great virtues that will combat flaw. Let's get to some other virtues here in a minute that can also help against this. But another area that I think might be good to clarify is we're trying to understand and better define what sloth, that sin, is. Resting. You know, God has created us to need times where we rest. We can't just constantly be on the go, be working. Most obviously, there's in the creation story, the seven-day week, right? You know, and even the commandment given to rest on the Sabbath, we have that uh, then expressed very directly in the Ten Commandments. And we've then taken that and moved it to Sundays because of the resurrection uh, in, in Christianity. So we've got this notion, this commandment, that resting is, it's not only important, it is absolutely necessary. But 
then we can kind of look and say, well, resting, how does that not kind of go into a realm of laziness? And so when we talk about resting or recreation or leisure or, you know, any, any of those things where it's, we're not busy with work, can you help us kind of draw a clear distinction between rest and leisure and sloth? Well, part of it would be uh, a matter of degree. The notion of Sabbath, the notion of a holy rest, a good night's sleep, that is certainly not sinful. That's a virtuous thing to do. But if you find that you have absolutely no enjoyment in any work, if you find that you have no inclination to do anything but to lie in your bed and you can't even rest because you were just so distracted by your restlessness. Uh, That could be a sign of sloth. It can be a fine line sometimes. You know, sloth can become entangled with depression, for example, which is a treatable illness But one of the aspects of depression that needs to be treated is the spiritual dimension of that, and that can be sloth. Well, let's talk about that spiritual dimension for a moment. You know, the the slothfulness, I think typically we we look at what we're doing in our physical lives, but that spiritual slothfulness, the the other uh, word that sometimes I've seen associated with it is a spiritual apathy called acedia. Right. Can, can you kind of open this up for us? What, what do we really mean on that spiritual side when we talk about acedia? The church, the desert fathers spoke of this as the noonday demon. And what they described this as was that moment when the monk would cease praying and would simply wander around his cell, not really even knowing if he's looking for something or what he would want to do, or he would go out of the cell and look aimlessly at the landscape or up at the sky. But this sloth, this sadie, is that the monk then found no interest, no pleasure in anything in that moment, and yet was wandering through that moment aimlessly, sluggishly, and unattached to anything that was meaningful and joyful. You can think you're being very, very busy and actually be caught up in a moment of sloth. So scrolling, scrolling through the internet. I think the modern image of sloth for us is when you find yourself aimlessly scrolling through, uh, I don't know, Instagram or TikTok or, or whatever that is for you, but just, just aimlessly going from one image to another, interested in none of them, <laughs> and yet feeling that you must keep moving uh, you know, to new images and yet finding joy in none of them. Mm. So... As you're talking about this, well, and the that that idea, that image of the noonday demon or the noonday devil that you talk about there, that was referenced and kind of uh, given that name so early in 
Christianity. I find it interesting, most of the time when we talk about sins, and even Jesus will reference this in the Gospels, you know, that the it's in the darkness that most things hit, are hidden and that wrong is done. You know, he talks about anything that is concealed will be revealed, you know, that, that, that right. there will be light brought upon it. But the idea of a noonday devil is that it's happening out in the open, in the bright daylight, in the middle of the day, right under our nose. And as you're talking about, you know, sitting there and finding absolutely no joy, you're not feeding your soul, you're not getting any benefit out of scrolling through whatever kind of social media or whatever, you know, other uh, uh, kind of things it might be. When we have that happening, it really is, it's not something that's a hidden away kind of sin that we're doing in private. You know, it's something that's right there that, oh, and nobody really thinks about it. Sloth is rather brazen and yet hides in plain sight, I guess. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, so as we look at this, um, you know, the the other thing, first of all, let me open up the phone lines here to Father. Again, talking with Father Jim Goins, and he is a priest in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, and today talking about that sin of sloth and how that impacts us in our lives, also in our spiritual lives, acedia. That's what we're talking about here. And how about for you? Uh, when have you really struggled to find that joy that Father Jim is talking about, where it just seems like, you know, there is that that sluggishness of your mind? Have there been times maybe in your spiritual life where you've just struggled to do the things that you need to do? There's a complete lack of, uh, of any motivation to pray or to go to Mass, um, to be able to read your Bible or other spiritual reading. It just seems like such drudgery. What helped you to get back on track in your spiritual life, to be able to regain that desire and that motivation to move out of that kind of malaise? Or maybe you're in that situation right now and you'd like some advice, some encouragement. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Jim Goins. Our phone number here is 888-914-9149, And Father, kind of picking up on on that, you know, the, the um, social media side, I think that those distractions, those diversions, um, most of the time, not just social media, I think it can be almost anything that's entertainment-based in our culture. And that can then fill up, as we were talking about, those times that we should be doing something. You know, it's easy for us to put off work or other responsibilities when we have access to so many entertainment options and choices. Uh, Even just telling ourselves in the moment, well, yeah, I really should go do that thing I'm supposed to do, but I'm here watching that show that I'm really into. I can stream just one more, just that one next episode. It's only, you know, 20-some minutes or 40-some minutes, and and just one more, and then I'll get on to that thing that I'm avoiding. And that that seems like a very obvious diversion. Another one that I don't think many people think about, maybe the snooze button on our alarms in the morning. You know, it's, oh, that extra nine minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is. So there are more things that we have in our culture that seem to really feed this idea of slothfulness. But it's accepted, it's even, you know, marketed to us, and we accept it and we don't give it a second thought. Yeah, let's be honest. Technology is enabling us to be more 
slothful. So when we come back from the break, Father, let's talk about some ways that maybe we can see if there's, if there's more subtle Ob, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about some obvious ones, but maybe some more subtle areas where sloth might kind of dig its hooks into us. Again, talking with Father Jim Goins here, our phone number 888-914-9149. Do you struggle with that sin of sloth? Or maybe it's something you've been able to make your way out of. We'd love to hear how you've been able to overcome that sin of sloth, that, that area of acedia in your life. 888-914-9149. Our email address, life at Relevant Radio. Back in just a moment, here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank August, who's listening in Minnesota, for donating his Mazda. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car. Thanks for joining us here on The Inner Life Today. I'm Josh Raymond, and today talking with Father Jim Goins. He is the pastor of St. Eugene's Parish in Oklahoma City. And our phone number here, if you'd like to join the conversation, 888-914-9149, talking about the sin of sloth. It's one of those cardinal sins, one of the seven deadly sins. Having uh, this conversation to help us understand that sin a little better, how we can identify it in our lives, but of course, how then we are able to overcome that sin. And uh, also want to encourage you, before we get back to our conversation, Coming up next month, November, uh, only 11 days away now, the Church invites us to celebrate the lives of our friends, our family, those who have passed away, and we pray for their entry into heaven. And I really want to invite you, I hope you can join us here at Relevant Radio, uh, your extended faith family here, in praying for this holy souls. Uh, and we're going to have a novena, November 2nd through the 10th, and you can submit any of the names that you want to of your departed loved ones at relevantradio.com slash souls. And if you do that anytime before November 10th, we'll make sure that those are prayed for during that novena. I would actually encourage you, if you can, sign up right away, because when you sign up, when you submit those names— of people that you would like to have uh, prayed for. You're also going to then receive reflections from Father Rocky, our executive director here, each day of the novena, all nine days, uh, to help you as you're praying through that novena with us uh, to enter more deeply into the prayer each day. And so again, those names can be entered on our website, relevantradio.com slash souls, and then make sure to join us November 2nd through the 10th, as we pray together, uh, three very specific times where we'll be praying through the day. One is at Mass, which is heard directly following this program, The Inner Life. The second time, the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 o'clock Central with Drew Mariani, and then again with the Family Rosary Across America at 7 o'clock Central with Father Rocky here on Relevant Radio. Uh, Father Jim, getting back to our conversation of the Sin of Sloth, talked about some of those maybe more obvious ways that we can see where the sin of sloth is kind of encouraged or at least enabled by the technology that we have in our lives. Those are some of the the ones that I think are pretty obvious to us. Any things that you see in our lives where this sin of sloth can kind of be encouraged or fed, but it's really subtle and, and we might not be aware of it? 
One thing I've noticed about contemporary culture is how often I will be asked why the mask can't be more entertaining. And of course, as we always respond, priests almost always respond, the mass isn't about entertainment, the mass is about prayer. But I think there is the possibility of both the the people, the assembly, or the priest to bring a slothful attitude into the mass itself. And to not be moved by the great uh, drama taking place on the altar, to be unmoved or disinterested in the fact that the king of the universe comes to us veiled in bread and wine. And living in a culture that is consumed by expectations of being entertained, it is possible to let sloth creep into our prayer life at the mass. And God forbid the priest do it. That would be a serious, serious sin for the priest. But I often think about that, that it's more difficult for our generation to pray because our generation is a generation consumed with the expectation that we will be entertained, which is saying that we are passive. We are not active. And sloth is always passive. Yeah. Even as you're saying this, I'm just thinking of all the times I've flown, you know, wherever I need to go, gone to an airport. And as a kid, you know, even early adult, before cell phones were everywhere, you would sit in an airport. You might have a book or you might have a newspaper or a magazine that you could read as you're waiting for your flight or whatever, you know, time that you're kind of having to pass there in the airport. But so much of the time in the airport for me was just people watching and being able to be okay with, I don't have to be entertained. I don't have to have some sort of device that keeps me engaged in some artificial form of entertainment every moment of my day. And if, you, if you're in an airport, probably for at least the last you know, 10, 15 years, you rarely see anybody look up and make much eye contact with you. Everybody is plugged into a device. Everybody's looking down at a phone or a tablet or a laptop. And there's this, this uh, kind of lack of being able to... F- and for me, this goes back to that, can you find joy in different things? Most people seem like they're kind of miserable as they're traveling, whereas <laughs> when I, I've been people watching, it's just fun to sit there and watch the people that are moving through, you know, uh, what they're doing, what they're saying. They're interesting. And, you know, if you can't even find joy in that, I, I think that can even be where, okay, it seems like we're really busy. I'm, I'm on the way to wherever I need to go to do the next thing in the airport. Yes, yeah. And still it can grab My hold of us. friends always kid me about being a chatty traveler. And I've always found one of the joys of traveling is to meet people and to talk to them. But now no one speaks really with you on airplanes or in airports because they're absorbed in their their phone. Yeah. They are not making contact with anything else except the technology. 
And so there's a lot less, um, you know, dialogue with people when you travel. You don't really meet people like you used to, which was active. That's something you have to listen. You have to uh, engage in their lives. Again, it's the, the passiveness, the passivity of our culture that is so prone to sloth. So with some of these different ways that we can see sloth in our lives and, you know, going back to your example of social media or if it's, you know, watching, binge watching some show and not doing the things we need to do or that snooze button on the alarm, all these different things. Does it primarily come down to just being disciplined that we have to, you know, you, you make yourself shut off the show? You know, you, you, you plan ahead before you ever start watching anything. This is when I'm going to stop and I'm going to be done and I won't let myself go beyond that. Or, uh, you know, I, I'm going to look at social media only two times a day and it's only going to be for this specific window. We just kind of make those those decisions ahead rather than letting us, ourselves get lost in those time wasters, maybe not allowing yourself to hit the snooze button in the morning. You know, you even if you have to put the alarm across the room, you have to walk across the room to get up out of bed. So it, it forces you not to hit that snooze button. Is it merely discipline or are there other things you think that are more important? I think discipline is a huge part of it, but I think there's also finding that joyfulness in serving God, finding joyfulness in in prayer, living in the moment, relishing the joy of life in every, every moment, as Thornton Wilder wrote in his play, Our Town. But to find joy in the small moments of life and to be aware of them, and yes, to be disciplined, you know, be heroic, get up early, <laughs> you know, make your bed, uh, do your morning prayers, begin early in the morning. The more you structure your life, the more you discipline your life, your daily routine, the less opportunity sloth has to creep in. So you, again, it's more being deliberate there and having that plan exactly. before you go in. Yeah. Nothing wrong with being able to respond spontaneously in the moment, but if you have a plan in place, it allows you to then exactly really exactly. stick to that. Um, you know, for the most part. You know, another thing, kind of going back to that airport image, you know, of somebody who's busy. I think it might be good to talk about the sin of sloth that can be in someone who is a workaholic. And what I mean by this is using work as that distraction or that diversion, because especially here in our American society, I think you see it in all Western culture to a degree, but American society really prizes hard work being productive. So if I'm working long hours, if I am striving to get ahead in my career, it's almost always seen as a completely good thing. But on the other hand, if I'm neglecting God in my spiritual life, if I don't have that balance, or if I'm avoiding my wife and my kids, you know, maybe there's difficulties in the home, and I'm using my work as an excuse for that neglect, for that avoidance, you know, then there could be that underlying sin of sloth that seems to be possibly at work there. I think that's a good point and something we don't often recognize that we can seem, outwardly seem, to be extremely busy. And yet we are omitting 
in our inner life that which we need to be doing, engaging with our family, praying, studying Scripture. Again, sloth is always a sin of omission. So, yes, we can seem to be very, very busy, when in fact it's it's not. It's simply masking an emptiness that, that lurks beneath that. Uh, Father Jim, let's go to the phones. And again, our phone number here, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, as we talk about the sin of sloth, also that spiritual realm of slothfulness that is called acedia. And how have you maybe struggled in your life? Are there times where praying, going to Mass, the, the different activities that help you grow spiritually. It's just seemed a complete chore. You've found no joy in that. What helped you get back to that place of joyfulness, of being able to experience God's love in your life and not have that kind of malaise or that apathy? Maybe you're in that kind of situation right now and you'd like to speak with Father Jim. 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, we've got Anna who's calling in from Henderson, Nevada. Hi, Anna. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I think I have a comment that Father will appreciate. When I was a teenager and going to school, a nun told the class, because she said, are you bored? And a lot of the kids said yes. And she said, well, if you're bored, that's because you are boring. Use your mind, use your creativity, use your curiosity. God gave you a brain. You must use it. And that sort of kept me out of that mental slothfulness. Most of my life, and I'm retired now, so yeah, I use that at work a lot. When people say, oh, I'm bored, it's so slow, I went, well, you must be boring. Use your brain. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does that fit? Oh, my gosh, that's great. Anna, that's thanks. Great. I, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I heard a priest say once, this, someone said, the Mass is boring. And the priest said, no, you are bored. There's a difference. The Mass is not boring but you are simply bored, and that's a, an entirely different problem. So, Father, let's talk about that, where if we do find ourselves bored in those times of prayer, if there is that real spiritual apathy, if we, if we really are dealing with acedia, um, what are some ways that we can guard against falling into that realm in our spiritual lives? I think it's very important to engage the the creative side of your of your person of your being. You spoke earlier of you know your musical background. I think it's very important for people to find tap into the creative element. God gave it to you. It's a gift. Everyone has it and I think creativity um, taps into the joy of life. I, that's one thing I always encourage people to do. In Dante's work, you know, the souls were, uh, in purgatory who were slothful, they are running, 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 which I think physical exercise is a very important way to combat it, to keep the body active, go for a walk, you know, do something that engages you with the the beauty of nature, go out somewhere and look at a, a vast 
starry sky, you know, get in touch with awe and wonder and creativity. All of that will help you overcome sloth. Mm. You know, last Sunday, um, we had the gospel reading that was the parable that Jesus tells of the persistent widow. And I'm guessing most homilies that people would have heard around the country, even around the world, dealing with this parable, it probably revolved around prayer. You know, continue to ask God for the things you need. And if you're persistent, then, you know, God knows what you need. And if it's according to his will, even if it seems like you're asking for a long time, God will give you what you need at, at when you need it. But do you think that same, uh, you know, that, that can also be a reminder for us? If we find ourselves in this spiritual apathy, just persevere, be persistent in your prayer, and it won't always necessarily stay in this, in this realm of apathy. Absolutely. I think for some folks, apathy, slothfulness can be the one sin that nags them, that, that bedevils them for much of their life. And it's heroic to battle against it and by the grace of God to overcome it. And again, I think it is probably the one of the most prevalent uh, sins of our time, of our culture. It's a culture that is bored. It is a culture that is sluggish and passive. So it's everywhere. It doesn't surprise me that so many people report that they're struggling against it. But we can overcome it. You know, it might also be good to talk here, too, about not letting our feelings alone drive our behavior, especially our spiritual behavior. You know, feelings, of course, are important. They should inform us on a number of of different fronts, but feelings should not hold a place of primacy, you know, not spiritually or or in other any other area of our lives. Um, you know, there should be that mixture of intellect along with feelings and emotions that help guide us. So, you know, when when we're going to Mass, you know, or when we're praying, it's not just doing it when I feel like it. I mean, I, we wouldn't do this in other areas of our lives. You know, I wouldn't only uh, feed my children dinner when I feel like it. You know, they, they, need, they exactly. need to eat that's every a, day. That's so a good point. I, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna right. to do it. So that perseverance and not letting our feelings dictate, well, I don't feel like praying, so it's probably not going to be worth it. Right, right. When you look back at previous generations of people who had to work so hard to make a living, and there was really no time for excessive entertainment or excessive downtime, you know, they had other temptations, but they did not battle sloth as much as we do, because they were also a generation that didn't operate out of their feeling. We have the luxury of knowing our feelings inside and out. We have the luxury of analyzing our feelings that previous generations did not have. When we are struggling in those moments of boredom, of apathy, especially in our spiritual lives, and we're just not finding that joy when we persevere in prayer, do you think that prayer then is maybe more efficacious? You know, if if I'm not just waiting until I feel like it, if if I 
And even if I don't feel that prayer being effective and beneficial for me in the moment, that there is still, just because I am putting that extra effort to still go forth and pray and go to Mass and, you know, all those things that are health healthy for my spiritual life, is that is that giving me maybe more benefit that it, than at the times where I really am experiencing that consolation from God and I, I feel like, oh, of course, I, I'm loving this time in prayer or Eucharistic adoration or I love going to daily Mass. Does that make sense, Father? It does. And, you know, as Catholics, we, we truly believe that in the struggle, we find grace. So if, if it is something for which we have to struggle, then the Lord will inform that with more grace. Absolutely. Talking with Father Jim Goins today, and again, our phone number here, 888-914-9149, as we talk about the sin of sloth, uh, also how we combat that in our spiritual lives, uh, in that area of acedia. And maybe that's something you struggle with in your life, slothfulness. Or maybe this is something that's kind of new and you're saying, wow, I never realized that this is something I am dealing with. And you'd like some advice, some encouragement on how you can maybe move forward out of that sin of sloth. 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser for helping produce the program today. And thank you for being a part of the program listening. And you're welcome to call us at 888-914-9149 as we talk about the sin of sloth today. And our spiritual director, Father Jim Goins, he is a priest in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. Uh, Father, uh, we've got Matthew who's calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. Matthew, sounds like you've got a book that uh, you've read through that really helped you dive into this topic. Yes, yeah, that's correct. And I'm usually a little hesitant to share books because I know there's so many out there and there's so many options, but this one was uh, really good and it was uh, highly recommended by me uh, or to me from a uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian priest. Um, I've been learning a lot about the Eastern side of the church lately and it's, uh, it's been beautiful. So I want to, I want to share this with you. Um, it's, it's called uh, Time and Despondency by Nicole Rokas. So despondency, obviously, um, as, as you know, is um, another, you know, word for acidia. Um, and so uh, her main point throughout the book is a, a lot of what you were just saying, that we need to get back to the present moment. And that despondency is often, uh, yeah, caused by spending either too much time in the past um, or too much time in the, in the future. Um, and that we need to be able to get back to just enjoying uh, the present moment. Great. Sounds like a great book. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking, too. Um, you know, the, the being engaged in the present moment, that is something. <laughs> and I love time travel. That's I, I'm a big sci-fi fan. I love time travel. But um, 
you know, I, I think the best time travel stories all show don't get too wrapped up in the future or the past. Enjoy what you have in the present. Uh, Father, along the lines of what Matthew had recommended there, any other, you know, books or resources or maybe a saint that you might point us to if we want to learn more about how to overcome the sin of sloth? I always recommend the Psalms to people because the Psalms are very often emotionally raw, which I think slothful people need to, when we're dealing with sloth, we need to kind of touch the rawness of of life experience, but to engage the Psalms, to pray them, to read them, read them aloud. I think that's one reason why the, the Psalms are in the prayer of the church day after day is because it reminds us of not just the the joy of living but also the the task of living you know that it's that we can find joyfulness even when life is difficult the joy is different than fleeting happiness if that makes sense sure yeah absolutely um you know you you also mentioned as we're talking about how we can have resources or things that we can do to overcome this sin of sloth. You mentioned piety as one of those virtues. Uh, another right. one that comes to my mind would be fortitude. But are, are is yes. are are yeah. there any other virtues that you have in your mind that you know th- this is really key and how it can help us to fill up that part of our life so it's not empty and just allows us to give into that sin of sloth. Well, I think. Dwelling here just a, a moment on the, the on the need for fortitude is that's an excellent virtue to cultivate. That we simply aren't people that become overwhelmed and discouraged, and you know that's one of the symptoms of of sloth is that we don't do things because we think it will be too difficult for us or we won't succeed, and so we are discouraged. We let our weakness or our sense of our weakness rule our lives, whereas the the person who has cultivated the gift of fortitude has that inner grit, that inner strength that helps them to persevere through the difficulties of life. So, so yeah, I think that's a great one. Well, how do you cultivate that then? I think by simply engaging things that are difficult. If there is a task before you that you know is difficult, that you you need to do it and you have been putting it off and putting it off, make no more excuses, simply do it, mm. you know, embrace it. Um, and the more difficult it is for you, celebrate the difficulty. Sure. I am, I went to law school when I was in my 40s. And one of, I tell people one of the reasons I went to law school was because I knew it would be difficult. And I wanted to embrace a very difficult academic task. And my years in law school were so good because you can't be slothful and make it through law school. I think the most disciplined I ever was uh, would have been in those years, but it was difficult. But I embraced the difficulty, and it was very it was very good for me, because if left to my own devices, I'm someone that 
will take the easy road, which is the easiest way. That's my inclination. But to go out of my way and embrace things that are are difficult, that helps me in my life. Uh, That's uh, Yeah, I like that suggestion. I think even if you have a range of things you need to do and, you know, there's not necessarily an order of priority, maybe choose – the most difficult of those things to do first. Kind of, you know, don't eat your dessert before you have your regular dinner, you know. Um, uh, Eat the things that you don't like first. Get the Brussels sprouts out of the way, and then you can enjoy the chocolate cake later. Um, Exactly. uh, Father... Well, for some people, it's uh, clean your house. Sure, sure. Clean the house. Yep. It can be that simple and take joy in it, right? And take joy in it. Yeah, and that's so key. Um if if somebody that I love, I see them struggling with this sin uh, of sloth, especially in that realm of acedia, you know, it seems that they have lost any sort of joy when it comes to the faith. Is there anything I can do to help them? Pray for them, obviously, first of all, but, but anything after that? I think if you had a, a critical conversation with someone like that in your life, and make sure that that it's more, you know, make sure that it's not also depression, because yeah. if this, you know, manifests itself as depression, that's a physical event, and that person needs to see a physician. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to spiritualize the depression. That's a physical event, and and you might be able to help them treat uh, the the spiritual event and the physical event. Or maybe you realize that no, they're just just run of the mill sloth, and they need a a coach. You know that halftime talk that we all need in life periodically to have someone in your life that can give you that talk. Look, you need to get up, and you need to. Uh, you know, I always think of Elijah in the desert. You know, the angels like get up, get up and eat. You know, you you have a ways to go. We need those people who can tell us that. Any specific prayers that you also might recommend if this is something I'm struggling with in my life um, that are maybe a good starting point? You, you talked about the Psalms and you know praying through the Psalms, of course, is a, a wonderful right, place to yeah. start. Uh, any other prayers that you might recommend or a saint that you might say, yeah, pray to this saint? It may sound uh, counterintuitive, but the prayer of abandonment oh, by okay. uh, Charles Facade, I think it takes a lot of courage to pray that prayer. Yeah. But it also helps you cultivate an openness to the will of God to work in your life. Beautiful. That's a very scary prayer, but a beautiful prayer. <laughs> a lot of those prayers exist out there, the ones that are scary yeah. or, or challenge us, but it can bring yeah, wonderful right. fruit. Father, we've got about 20 seconds left here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Absolutely. May the Lord God bless and keep you this day. May he give you joy in every moment of your life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Father Jim Goins, for being with us here today on The Inner Life. And want to encourage you to stay with us here on Relevant Radio. Mass starts in just a few seconds here, followed by The Faith Explained. And hope to see you again here on The Inner Life tomorrow. Have a blessed rest of your afternoon.